Thank you. I pushed the right button. There we go. Good. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Good to worship with you. We, my family, we get to be here at this campus, New Year's Eve, one of the services, and looking forward to that. And then uh, I'll be here for all of the services. Hopefully you get a chance to register and uh, be here. But that's going to be a really a great service as we approach Christmas time. And then two, uh, the annual report. I don't know if you got one in the mail. If you didn't, there's some available at the Welcome Center. But I just want to reiterate how good it is. So many good stories, numbers to be aware of, pictures. Uh, just grab one on your way out and check it out. It'll help you understand the chapel a little bit more, what we're about, who we are, where we're going, things like that. So we're in a series. We're at the end of a series called Re- Reclaiming Christmas. This is our Advent season series, which we started a few weeks ago. Today's the last day of Advent, last weekend of Advent. And uh, in this series, we've tried to help us move, uh, move, I guess. And, and the first weekend was to move from stress to stillness. And um, that was our first weekend. Then we, a couple weeks ago, getting to giving, uh, moving from the getting to the generous spirit. And then we went from problems to peace. That was last week. Today we're talking about decorations to devotion. What does that mean? I love the Christmas season. I love all the decorations, the sights, sounds, the tastes, all of it. Um, and I uh, find the struggle point for me at Christmas time is putting up the Christmas tree. It seems to always be a wrestling match. I don't know if that's true for you or not. But you know, once we finally get it up, it looks great, the lights, the ornaments, and all of that reminds me of something that happened some years ago when I was a pastor at the chapel in Akron. Uh, I had a friend on staff named Jeff. He also was a pastor. We all had little kids, and his little son was in Sunday school. It was Christmas time. And so the teacher went around the room and asked for prayer requests. Well, he was the first one, you know, pastor's kid. Shot up his hand. How can we pray for you? And and, he he said, pray for my dad. He's putting up the Christmas tree today. It was a wrestling match for him as well. It's fun. Anyways, I think it's fun going into people's homes too at Christmas time. Of course, now it's not as easy, but to see how people do their trees. Some trees look like they came right out of a, a magazine, so perfectly decorated. Others, like ours, just sort of an assortment of ornaments. We have ornaments made by our kids when they were little. Ornaments made by me when I was little. My wife when she was little. Uh, maybe you have some of these ornaments on your tree. Uh, families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. Could be. Um, I knocked down the Christmas tree. This is why, one of the reasons, I'm a dog person. Good moms let you lick the beaters. Great moms turn them off first. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. Here's one for the season, right? I survived the great toilet paper crisis of 2020. We have some fun ornaments, too. It's great. The the, the sights, the sounds, the cookie, the decorated cookies. We're talking about moving from decoration to devotion. Of course, Christmas time is, is really a time for us to be disciplined in our thinking, remembering what the Christmas season is really about, you know? I mean, uh, really, uh, Christmas has no meaning without Good Friday and Easter. It's a Christmas that God sent his one and only son to us uh, to tear down the barrier that existed between us and God because of our sin, uh, to establish peace between us and God, 
to establish reconciliation with God. That was the role. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus came to also tell us that we were created for a life of devotion to God expressed in following him. So we're going to develop this a little bit. And what we're going to do is look at part of the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, we're not going to look at her whole story, but before we look at the part we will observe, let me just back up a little bit. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said she was going to have a baby and his name would be Jesus. Well, how perplexing and confusing that must have been. What a rush of emotions went through her mind and, and, and heart. Confusion and worry and anxiety. and What's this all about? can this be? I've never been with a man. Um, why would God pick on me, <laughs> choose me for this, this duty? Um, what will people think? I'm not even married. And what will Joseph, my fiancé, think? What will Joseph's family think? What will my family think? All kinds of thoughts and emotions must have been streaming through her body. Which makes the words we're about to look at even seem more powerful and challenging to each of us as we consider what devotion looks like. Because this first line we're about to read really helps us understand what one of the hallmarks, characteristics of devotion is. And this is what she responded, how she responded to Gabriel the angel. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So what we can say is this, is that devotion begins with a humble heart before God. I have a question for you. How, how did Mary move so rapidly from fear to willingness? Because if you remember the story, the, the angel Gabriel said to her, Be not afraid, Mary. Why did he say, Be not afraid? Because Mary was afraid. And yet, shortly thereafter, we read these amazing words, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. How does a person move from fear to a willingness? She was humble that God had chosen her. Again, if you remember the words of Gabriel to Mary, Gabriel said, Mary, you have found favor with the Lord. Now, another word for favor is grace. Mary, God has graced you. He has gifted you. Not because of anything you have done. He has put his finger on you. He has chosen you, Mary. Me? Yes, you. Now, in just a short while, we're going to look at the song of Mary. And it reveals that she must have been familiar with the Jewish scriptures and if she was familiar with the Jewish scriptures, she was familiar with how God works. And God works differently than how human beings typically tend to work. We as humans tend to favor those who are influential, powerful, strong, wealthy, upper crust. But God, throughout scripture, tends to favor those who are lowly. And those who are unnoticed, and those who are unknown, and those who are unlikely, and those who are humble. 
So Mary says, you have chosen me. You've chosen me. May it be. I am your servant. As I look around this room, I imagine most of us here are Christ followers. We're Christians. And at some point in your life, I was age 20, when we decided to, to believe in God through faith in Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Long before you ever chose God, God chose you. Not because of anything you ever did, but by his grace, he favored you. He put his finger on you. He chose you. And so just like Mary, we also should be saying to God, may it be. May your word be true in my life. I am a humble servant of yours. That's the lesson from Mary. A, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, this church, this campus, lost a very good man. His name is John Service, whose picture's on the screen. You don't know John, perhaps. Maybe you do. He was very much behind the scenes. In fact, he sat every weekend in the tech booth in the back. He sat at the light board. And John was an expert at what he did. In fact, his expertise was felt at our other two campuses. He was that good at what he did. And, and John... Um, was a consummate volunteer because he took his job so seriously. But here's the thing. More notable than his expertise was his character. He was a humble man. He was a humble servant of God. That's how he saw himself. At all three campuses, we have uh, backstage what's called a green room. Maybe you know what that is. The green room for here is right back in there. And that's where the worship team and the tech team prepares before they come out and lead us in worship. At our Sandusky campus, on the, on the door is a little sign that before you walk it on stage, you can't miss it, and it says, it's not about us. It's not about us. And a little while ago, one of the worship team members was walking through that door it's not about us. And they said, that's John Serbus. That reflects his life. I, I probably need a sign like that on my front door before I walk out for the day's activities. <laughs> it's not about me. <laughs> it's about God. May it be. I am your servant. And so we're called to be humble servants before God. That's the, that's, that's the first lesson from Mary. The first hallmark characteristic of devotion. But there's another one, and we'll pick it up as we continue the story. And it goes like this. Oh, let me go to the next step question. I forgot. Here we go. If devotion begins with a humble heart, am I making the Lord my servant, or am I humbly submitted to the Lord as his servant? Here's the thing. We, we can too easily get into this idea that God is like my valet. It's like he's my, my waiter, my, my vending machine. And I, I can get God to do what I want. But no, I didn't choose. God chose me, and therefore I am his servant. Okay? That's the, that's the first characteristic of devotion. But the story continues. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted 
Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were married. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. She was going to see Elizabeth to share in the news. And uh, we'll pick up more about Zechariah and Elizabeth in just a little while. The story continues. At the sound of Mary's greetings, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Elizabeth's child, by the way, would grow up to be John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Now, these are the words of Elizabeth, but what she's doing is pointing to the faith of Mary, pointing to Mary's ability to trust God and to trust God's word. So what we can say is this, is devotion means taking God at his word. Devotion is expressed in humility. It's also expressed in a willingness to take God at his word. Now, as I said earlier, Mary would have been familiar with the Jewish scripture, so she would have been aware of this story, as maybe you are. The story of Abraham and Sarah, way back in the book of Genesis, this part of their story is in chapter 18. Do you remember when God tells Abraham and Sarah Sarah that they are going to have a baby? The problem with that is that Sarah was well beyond childbearing years. And how did Sarah respond to God? Sarah laughed. You fat, just like that. Then, then uh, fast forward into the New Testament, and you have the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the angel Gabriel. In chapter 1, where we are, just a little bit before what we're studying, angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and makes him aware that Elizabeth is going to have a baby who is also very, very old. What did Zechariah do? Zechariah doubted. Mary neither laughs nor doubt. She may have questioned, but she doesn't doubt. Why is that? She took God at his word. She believed that God would do just as he promised. Perhaps Mary remembered how God responded to Sarah when Sarah laughed. God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, there had never been a virgin birth before. So Mary had no idea how this was going to play out. But she chose to trust God and to trust God's word. And that is a characteristic of true devotion, taking God at his word. Around the world today, Christianity is expanding into places where Jesus is not known. And in those places, it's not too uncommon to hear stories of angels appearing to people, helping a person take another step toward Jesus. It's not too uncommon to hear stories of dreams, helping people take another step toward Jesus. But you're not going to hear those kind of stories very much here in the United States, in the Western world, because we have the Bible. (laughs) We have the Bible on our phones. We have the Bible on our laps. We have the Bible in our homes. And so we really don't need angels and dreams. We have something much better, and that is God's complete word written for us with everything we need to know about how to go at life in a way that honors God, in a way that will bring us success in life and fulfillment and joy 
and deep settled rest in our souls. God has given us his word. And beyond that, he has given every true believer his spirit to come and live within to help us understand his word and give us the strength and power to live out his word in everyday life. Now, with that said, let me ask you this next step question. If devotion means taking God at his word, with what do we need to trust him? I added a bonus word with in there. Just forget that one, okay? Typo. With what do we need to trust God? For Mary, it was trusting God with the virgin birth, okay? She believed that God would do just as he promised. What do you do with God's word that's before you? We come into this room, we hear God's word taught, we read our Bibles, and God begins to prick our conscience. And every area of our life, God seems to touch and give us ideas on how to go about life. Maybe you're a single person. God has, God's word has so much to say about purity, the importance of purity. Maybe you're married about how to treat your wife or how to treat your husband. Maybe you're a parent and how to raise your kids in the right way. Or maybe you've been harmed by someone. And what does God's word have to say about forgiveness? What does God's word have to say about asking forgiveness? What about finances and the mess we can get in that way? And what does God's word have to say about earning money, making money, um, spending money, saving money, giving money, everything? What does God's word have to say about reading his word, about praying, about attending worship services? So much. Why does God give us all of this? Because he loves us. And he wants us to have the most fulfilling life possible. The question always comes down to this. How devoted are we? One way to tell. Do we take God at his word? Just as Mary did. So we've looked at how devotion is expressed in humility. Devotion is expressed in taking God at his word. But there's another way, a third way devotion is expressed. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. Devotion results in praise. In fact, we're going to do some praising in just a little while. This story ends with a song that Mary composed. Maybe she composed it on her way to visit Elizabeth. It, it has a lot of rich theology in it. It, it again, um, shows that she understood some of the Jewish teachings. And in this song, which I wish we could, I wish we could take each line and explain each line what it means, but what you're going to sense is this comes out of who she is. It isn't a decoration. She just hangs on her life. She's not a poser. This just really comes from deep within, this praise. And it falls into two categories. I wish we could explain every single line, but if you just look at it this way, she praises God for his character and for his care. His character and his care. And when we're done with this song, we're going to do the same thing. I'm going to put some prompts on the screen that will help us to praise God in terms of who he is and what he has done and what he does. His character and his care. So this is how it goes. Mary responded. And by the way, let me just say, this is, this is some of you have heard this before. It's called the Magnificat. That's a Latin word that is a translation of the first Greek word that shows up in the original translation. 
of this song, and it simply means to glorify or magnify, magnificat. This is the magnificat. Oh, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations, and he has done great things for me. That's his care. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. And whenever you see the word fear him in the Bible, it simply means someone who takes God and his word seriously. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones, and God always knows how to sort out the humble from the proud. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. God never forgets a thing, which leads us into the very last line of the song, which simply says, For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And what she's referring there to, to there is the promise God makes to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12 that all the nations of the world, all the people groups of the world will one day be blessed by the coming Messiah, by the Savior of the world, who is Jesus. So here's the next step question for you. If devotion results in praising God, what can I specifically praise him for right now? I'm going to walk us through some prompts on the screen, and they have to do with God's character and God's care. And I hope, like Mary, you will walk out of today thinking, am I, is my life marked by devotion? I a humble servant? May it be, God, I am your servant. And taking God at his word, that it's true, and he's called me to obedience. Does my devotion, is it reflected in praise? Finish these thoughts in your own mind, the specifics in your own life. God, I praise you because you are in control of all things. Maybe something going on in your life right now. You just need to trust God with his control. God, I praise you because whenever I feel lonely, I'm never alone. God, I praise you because you are trustworthy. God, I praise you that when my burdens are heavy, you promise to carry them for me. God, I praise you because you are merciful. God, I praise you because you promise to fulfill and provide for my daily needs. God, I praise you because you are powerful.
God, I praise you because you don't hold my past against me. You have a purposeful future in store for me. In your own hearts, finish the statement. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you.